We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. Hi, I'm Yui Xu. And I'm Julie Kraftchik. We're active daters turned dating sociologists. Here to dive into everything modern dating and relationships. Welcome to the Dateable Podcast. Surprise, it's us again for our Dateable, uh, another off-season, mid-season, pre-season episode. There's so many other terms for where we're at. But we're in between the the official seasons uh, where we bring you these bonus episodes of other podcasts we've been on. Yeah. And if you are a continued listener, then you know the drill. But if you're a new listener, we will be back for our next season in February. So we have a lot of new listeners, which is always fun. We've been doing some cross Probos and we see new people coming in. So welcome. We're excited to have you at Datable. The content never stops. And this is our second time on Kim Pages. Oh, yes. Yes. We are, we're like getting up there as this is our goal is to be Ken's number one favorite (laughs) guest, our secret, not so secret goal. And we know that Ken's podcast is some of your favorites as well, a deeper dating. Actually, many of you have found us through Ken's podcast. (laughs) So thank you, Ken. And it's always an honor to be part of his podcast as well. And on this episode, we specifically discuss this idea of DIY your own love life. Yeah, it started off just, you know, I think when people talk to us, it's often about the pulse of modern dating. But Ken got really excited about this particular concept when we brought it up. I feel like the whole conversation kind of went on pause and he's like, wait, something big is here. Like we need to dig into this more. You know, I think there is something really big to this concept because like we talk about a lot, like how modern dating is challenging. It's difficult. But I think like if we started to look at some of the positives, this idea that you don't have to have this stereotypical love life that, you know, generations before us did not have the choice in terms of like who we partner up with, but how we have a relationship that we do today. And that is a magnificent thing that we often take for granted. There are things that have worked for your friends, worked for your relatives, worked for your co-workers that won't work for you. And yes, we can all go by these stories of people who found love before us and the success stories that they've experienced. But that doesn't mean that our story has to follow the same mm-hmm. path. And if you do want your story to follow the same path, that's 
when we get into this world of disappointment because more likely than not, it won't follow the same path. And then you'll be really sad that it didn't go the way that you think it's supposed to go. Yeah, I think for me personally, I'm I'm not sure if I'm here like for my own personal self, but being introduced to the poly community helped open up this idea for me Mm -hmm. of the DIY relationship. And I think what it was is for the first time I saw people doing things their own way in like trying to like, I guess, optimize a love life that works for them in, you know, Silicon Valley speak. I think like you, you and I've talked about this, but like, I know you mentioned too, like moving to SF was very pivotal for you to see like people did things differently. And like, for me, like here, yeah, like there's like families out there that, you know, have multiple partners and they're like co-building families together. Like that is so different than anything I'd heard before. And it made me be like, okay, even if I'm not going to say like me personally will be with three partners, there's something here that I can adapt to my own life. Yeah, there's always something we can learn from what other people are experiencing. And then it just makes you stop and think, what is it that I would like in this relationship? And I can tell you it's so partner dependent. Yeah, And I'm finding with my current man friend situation. I like that you uh, call him man friend, not boyfriend. Because <laughs> he's a man. <laughs> he is a man. With this current situation, this is the first romantic partner I've had who's been really invested in my career, in my mm. personal brand. And he really likes discussing the podcast. He likes discussing my work. And I haven't had that before. Not to say that that's something I was missing in previous relationships, but because this partner is so invested in that area of my life, we are carving out time to discuss our careers with each other. Mm. But in my previous relationship, I don't think I was missing that. And there was really no investment on either one of our parts. So we were more invested in like trying out new restaurants. And, Mm. And so I feel like that's the DIY. It's like if another person sees my relationship from the outside, they may say, you know, I wish my partner was more invested in my career. I don't think that's how it is. I think it's so partner dependent and you can carve out what that relationship looks like depending on what your partner looks like. That's a really good point. To me, DIY is like you create the rules, like you decide how it operates. Mm-hmm. Like I think of some, you know, episodes we have one with Kim Nickel where her and her partner five years, yeah. they don't live together, you know, like, and that works for them. But like for me, like for instance, I really wanted to live with my partner. That was important to me. But instead of just being like, oh, well, when you're in a serious relationship, you then live together. It's this conscious thought of what do I actually want? It's Mm -hmm. taking that intentional beat of what is it that I want? And yeah, I think like when you're exposed to different things, like for you, this career part of having a partner that's invested, I don't know, maybe you'll end up saying like, I really need this. Or you'll say like, it's too much. Like I don't actually need this. But at least now you're aware so you can make that conscious decision. Yeah. Isn't that nice that you don't have to follow another path to carve out the love life that works for you? Because end of the day, the only person who knows what works for you is you. Yeah. Go out there, experiment, and make it happen. And and just to try to find out what works for you, instead of being so caught up in this system of dating Mm -hmm. that we're in right now. I feel like people are in shackles 
by modern dating. When you can so break free, you do not need to date everyone. In fact, no. you should not date everyone. <laughs> not everyone's going to be a good fit for you. So when you do find someone who's a good fit or you think there's potential there, write your own rules, write your own story. And I can guarantee you there's a lot less disappointment with something like that. Yeah, well, I think this totally extends to dating too. It's it's at the essence is you are figuring out what works for you. If it's dating multiple people, do that. If it's not, you know, tell the person you're dating, like, that's just not how I operate. Like, you can do whatever you want. But for me, I like to, like, give my attention to people at a time. Like, you're basically putting yourself in the driver's seat to, like, find mm-hmm. something that works for you. I think the biggest challenge I experienced in dating is when I was trying to, like, mold myself into like these dating rules and this dating persona and all this stuff. Like I remember just like my friends being like, I don't understand like why dating is so hard for you. Like it's so easy for you to meet people and be social. But I was like putting on this like dating front. Like I had to act a certain way and show up a certain way because that's what I read and that's what (laughs) the advice I was given. And I think the DIY approach, it's like throwing all that out and just being authentic to yourself. Oh, it's so fucking liberating. I know we say it that a lot, liberating. but it's so fucking liberating to not have to live by someone else's expectations of who you're supposed to be. Yeah. We get all these pitches all the time in our inbox from dating experts. And these pitches, some of them are great, some of them are fucking terrible. <laughs> And there was one the other day. I don't I do not even know who it was, what the point was. All I remember was reading the line, how to step into your wifey energy. And I was like, oh, fuck God. no. This is a shit that fucks things up. It's like, if you really want to get married, act like a wife. If you really want to hold down a man, act more feminine and be in your feminine energy. Oh my God. This shit (laughs) drives me nuts. You're like, wait, and then what? And then you get married and then you you show your true colors then. Right. It's like then someone has to learn who you actually are. Yeah. I think also this DIY approach, like for me, I remember for years, I didn't get into relationships. Like it Mm -hmm. wasn't a priority for me. I didn't really even start like really dating in terms of like wanting a relationship until I was like in my late 20s. And for years, it's because I had like seen relationships as boring. Now just like sitting in front of a TV, not doing anything. And that was the perception I had in my Mm -hmm. mind. Where it came from, I don't fully know whether it was true true. Clearly not. But that was the perception. And I was like, I don't really want that. Or I also had this perception like you fight a lot. So I'm like, Mm. yeah, I don't really need that. Like that's not that interesting to me. But with this DIY approach, it's like actually you decide what it is. Some people might freaking love to watch TV every weekend and just lounge out with their partner. That might be great for some couples. Others... Like, I know for me, I can't sit in the house for like more than a couple hours. Like, I go crazy. I need to just be out and about. So like for others, like that's how you design your love life. Like maybe now you have this partner that's going to always go try that new restaurant with you or like go to the new park or whatever. Like you figure out what's good for you. And those are just examples. Like it could be whatever it is. That's the beauty. And I think for so long, like I had this one perception and it prevented me from being in relationships, which is actually like unfortunate too. My neighbor said it so well. She works in an industry where she's always at work events and she can bring a plus one. And her partner, he's definitely 
the complete opposite, very shy, very reserved, does not like to be around that many people. And she said in the beginning, when they first started dating, he wouldn't come out to these events with her and her her coworkers would bring their plus ones, their spouses. And they'd be like, oh, where's your, where's your boyfriend? Where's your partner? Like, where, you know, you're not going to take advantage of the plus one. And then she had a thought like, why would I bring someone to something that they do not enjoy? Yeah. Right. And it was so expected that if you're in a relationship, this is what you do. And then she's like, I my best friend loves shit like this. Why can't yeah. she be my plus one? She was, so she started bringing her best friend to her plus ones and people joke that this is her like her real relationship because they haven't met the boyfriend. But she's like, I don't care. It's like you want to right. put people in situations where they can shine, where they feel good and it's authentic to them. And if you're doing something at the expense of your relationship just because someone else expects you to act a certain way, then you're kind of doomed. Oh my God. It's, yeah, it's these unwritten rules of like how a relationship operates, how you date, all of this that really fuck us when you think about it. Like yeah. they're just like, they're not coming from us. They're coming from the external of like yes. how it's supposed to be done. Yeah. Like one person wrote the rules and now we yeah, have to who, follow all of them. <laughs> who is this person? Well, the rules, like whatever their names are, the people that wrote that, but it can't just be that. Like it like no. stems deeper than that because that was like more like how to like land the guy type rules. Rules, you know? Yeah, it's odd. It's like, who is this master manipulator of all <laughs> the way the relationships work? Who is it? We should get them on the Show podcast. Show your face. <laughs> it's okay. We're taking it back from them. We're taking it back. Yeah. DIY that shit. Yeah. So we could go on all day on this, but we have a whole episode with Ken where we go into it more along with some other advice, tidbits, all the good stuff. This episode was recorded UA like right after your breakup, like before you even told it on air for our podcast. I remember because like Ken basically flat out came out and said like, what's going on in your love life? I yeah. remember you being like, oh, I had that well. moment. Am I going to lean in or not? And yeah, I'm like, oh, I did. Well, <laughs> funny you ask, Ken. Yeah. Guess what happened yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. <laughs> Guess what's happening right now? <laughs> here's a play by play. If you want to capsule in time, we got that for you here. <laughs> okay. Well, announcements. We have a big one. We are back with our 22 day dating app challenge. This is is the reset that we really feel strongly about this, that dating apps are a great tool, especially this time of year, you know, January, February, that's probably like the peak season for dating apps. And then it goes up again in cuffing season. But this time of year, the Valentine's rush, I like to call it, yeah. this is the time to reset your ways. And, you know, we've talked about this on episodes before, but we truly believe that like you can use dating apps from your advantage. It's back to the whole DIY concept. It's like throw out the rules and what you know and what you think you're supposed to do on dating apps. And we can help you DIY your usage with dating apps because that's ultimately what this reset is for is to like, you know, challenge assumptions and push you to try things a little differently. And, you know, it's worked. I personally feel like I loved using dating apps and it's because I didn't do things the way that other people did it. So highly recommend you get on board. We are only going to be open until February 7th. So make sure to sign up now so you get your spot. Yeah, registration is 
is open now until February 7th, but the challenge is for 22 days and it's self-paced. So it starts whenever you decide for it to start. Who is this challenge for? Are you sick of dating apps? Are you burnt (laughs) out? Are you like, I need to do something different with my love life this year? Or are you like starting back out in dating and just don't know where to go, where to start? Or you're kind of scared because you've heard all the dating horror stories. This is a reset for anybody who wants to take control of their dating life through online dating, through these dating apps and have the dating apps work for you and not have you be at the mercy of these dating apps at the Mm -hmm. end of the day complaining about them. We believe dating apps are here to serve you if you know how to use them in a way that benefits you. So if that's who you are, get (laughs) on this dating app challenge. We don't offer it all the time. So it's very rare and it's such a great ramp up for Valentine's Day. Yep. And we also look at your profile. That's the other added benefit. Honestly, that alone is actually worth the whole cost of this program. It really is. This is a steal. We really want, we just want people to know the way. Honestly, that's like the core of it for us is we want people to stop hating dating apps and to use them and, you know, see the magic of dating with them. So that's why we're putting this out into the world. Yes. If this is interesting to you, you can go to findingyourperson.com slash apps. It's also available on our website. You can just go to datablepodcast.com under the course section. It will be there ready for you. Okay. Well, at Datable Podcast, that's where you can find us on the socials. And Big Datable Energy is our newly named (laughs) Facebook group, BDE. (laughs) Loving it still. So join us there as well. Okay, before we get into it, let's hear a message from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasant surprised by the high love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I ahemp.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use a code DATABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's viahemp.com and use a code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm 
often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash datable. That is armoire.style, spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often an hour's. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one day rule on its head and offer back to back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code datable and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. Okay, Here's us on Deeper Dating. Yue, Julie, I am so delighted to have you here. I enjoy our conversations so much. You have so much kind of sparkling, human, caring, thoughtful insight about the whole world of dating. And uh, you're just some of the smartest and funniest and most insightful people I know in this arena. So I'm just honored. And I just feel like we're all in my living room together, but (laughs) having a really large audience who get to hear all that you have to say. So I'm just thrilled to have you here. And this is a special time because you've done so much work. Your your kind of empire is growing and growing. Your collaborations are growing. Your audience is growing and you've worked with so many people. So your wisdom base is growing constantly at the same time. And you're always day by day questioning and exploring. So I am excited to have all of our listeners tap into your wisdom, your insights, your experiences of which, you know, you're kind of up there in terms of people who have heard dating stories with consciousness and awareness and reflection. Like in this world, you're really up there with, you know, the few people that have done this to this degree with such consciousness. So In this time, I'm going to get to hear from both of you. We're all going to get to hear from both of you about the insights, the hacks, the keys, the paradoxes, the things that you have found most important that you would like to share with the audience about this entire world of dating and finding love. Let's jump in. Either of you who wants to just start with one key insight one key insight that like for you just at this moment really stands out and then we'll just take it from there well ken first of all thank you so much for having us on your 
podcast. It's been such a pleasure getting to know you. And Julie and I always say, if we're ever having a bad day, we just channel Ken Page. And <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> all of a sudden, our confidence meter is up. We are bright and happy people. Thank you for always providing a safe space for us to share our yes. experiences. And I well, guess to answer your question, the one key insight or nugget of information is that we often look at dating as a destination. Then the destination is the relationship. But from our seven years of doing this podcast and personal experience, dating is a constant evolving experience with no destination. It's one big social experiment. Mm. And once you land in a relationship, that opens up a whole other realm of experiences. So we can look at dating as a constant evolution, constant change, then we won't be so outcome focused. We'll be more present in what we're learning in the moment. And along right. the same lines, I truly believe that there's no the one for you, for anybody. There's the one who's right for you right now, who's willing to do life with you. And that's the person you mm. cherish and you you really want to focus and prioritize your energy on. But don't think of the entire lifetime of your dating experiences as searching for the one. I'll be right back after this. If you're interested in accelerating and deepening your search for love, I want to invite you to a very special project, the Deeper Dating Intensive. I only offer it twice a year, and it's a six-month journey working closely with me and an amazing community to transform each member's search for love. And you can learn more at deeperdatingintensive.com. And if it feels like a match, on that page you can set up a free one-on-one -on -one session with me to explore possibilities. I look forward to connecting if this speaks to you. Welcome back. So that's so interesting because in a way you're saying there is no one, no, no. like grand transcendent just one. But the task in a way is to make the person you're with the one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's Absolutely. great. That's great. Thank you. Thank you, Yue. How about you, Julie? Any any uh, kind of first insight that comes to you? What comes to mind for me is when Yue and I started this, we thought that when we started Datable, we thought every story would be about, you know, two people dating, meeting each other, finding their person, as Yue said, that could change over time. And what we've realized is that dating is actually so much more about ourselves than the other people. We're mm. always thinking about the people that ghosted us or the people that rejected us. But ultimately, it's really coming back to our own fear of abandonment or our own worthiness of a relationship. And that's why dating is so difficult. It's not, yes, it's hard to find someone that you mesh with. I don't want to undermine that. But what's really challenging is that we take it so personally in that it really is a mirror of our own state. It, because when you think about it, dating is the most personal thing in the world. You could equate it to a job interview. And sure, of course, if you don't get a job, it hits your self-esteem in some ways. But at the core of dating, you're asking someone to be with you, to love you. Mm -hmm. 
that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really true. So your very sense of self is at stake. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And would you say that as we shift and grow our sense of self, our dating experience shifts as well? Oh, absolutely. I know for me personally, that was the key. Like, I think for years I was like, okay, do they like me? I need to get past that third date, you know, to prove my worthiness. And when you start to shift out of that mode into like, I'm freaking awesome. I'm a catch. Someone would be so lucky to be with me. Of course, there's a lot of work that builds up to that. That's when dating really changes completely because you're not looking for someone to fill a void. I think that's like an alchemy that we getting to do the work that we do get to see is this amazing thing is that when you make that personal change, your dating experience actually changes too. It's so true. And it's, it's a really, really wonderful thing. Oh, I have 20 million questions. <laughs> Fire um, away. <laughs> I, I will. But I have one question I want to ask first. And if you're okay with this, could you each talk about where you are in your dating journey and kind of maybe the biggest learnings that have gotten you there? Yeah, such a great question. And to answer that question, I think as our dating journey changes, I find for myself, my taste in people yes. change as well. Yes. Yes. So when you come to another level of consciousness, when it comes to dating, you end up gravitating towards people who are in a similar realm. So mm -hmm. where I am currently at is recently ended an almost five-year relationship oh. after discovering infidelity on his part. And it, this was the ultimate test, I think, of my resilience and my capability to love. And while it was absolutely detrimental and traumatic, when we're talking about this main character energy that Julie was just describing, that dating is about you, it's not about the other people doing stuff to you. I had a choice to really think about an experience like this, is this the beginning of my story or is it the end of my story? Mm -hmm. If I were to create a movie out of this, mm -hmm. this would be the beginning scene. This is the mm -hmm. beginning scene that inspires greatness to come. And I think that is where I am right now is really leaning into my main character energy and letting this really unfortunate opportunity inspire beautiful things. Wow. Wow. You know, I remember reading this quote by a spiritual teacher I really respect. And he said, he said, in the divine tribunal, betrayal of a loved one is the greatest sin of all. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, the betrayal of that. And, and I just want to acknowledge that the devastation, but also I love the concept of the beginning of what's next mm -hmm. for you and the, and the kind of holding of that as an EMDR therapist, EMDR is a, mm -hmm. is a, um, a technique working with trauma, but at the heart and soul of working with the trauma, the question is, how do you see yourself? That's how the EMDR therapist and the client see growth and progress is the sense of self in relation to this traumatic event and how that shifts and that defines health, mm. healing, and growth. And to me, that's just kind of what you captured. 
And it opens up this whole arena of the pain that happens in dating and that can happen. And um, the hurt, the hurt to self-esteem, the disappointment mm -hmm. and the handling of that. Such a yeah. huge, huge piece for listeners who are coping with that kind of disappointment, that kind of hurt, like at this time. Any thoughts you want to share, both of you? And I think at the end of the day, you know, like we are clearly proponents of relationships. We do a podcast about dating and love and relationships, but the most important relationship you'll ever have is with yourself. Yeah. So the more that you can lean into that, whether you're single, whether you're in a relationship, it doesn't matter. We have a very popular term that our community loves, master dating, where you go out on a date by <laughs> yourself. So we have people sending, putting up pictures of them, you know, out at a winery or going to a movie themselves, whatever it may be. And we love that term because I really believe that regardless of your relationship status, the relationship with yourself is something to keep nurturing. And the more like at one we can have with that relationship, that's when you don't need a partner. You just want one. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Julie, I, I, how about you? Oh, oh, UA. Yes. I was just going to say very quickly for anybody going through this, it's uh, you'll get advice about moving forward and taking that next step and the time heals everything. Or you'll get advice of people saying, you know, really feel the pain and go mm -hmm. through all of the stages of grief. And from what I'm currently going through, I feel like being present is the best gift I can give myself. And I don't want to ruminate in what has happened. I can still feel those feelings. I also don't need to put pressure on myself to progress each day and distract myself and keep myself busy and no time heals all. I get that. I get the concept. But I think it, to be very real with ourselves and to sit in the present moment of what you're feeling is probably the best gift you can give yourself. So in other words, kind of not feeling like you have to marinate in it because that's what healing looks like and not feeling like you have to move on because that's what yeah. healing looks like. But that's being with your heart where you are right now. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that's such an essential act of self-honoring. That's that's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. And it probably changes every day where you're at and that's every okay. Every, oh, every hour, you know, it's okay. Yes. <laughs> So true. So true. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that, UA. Thanks for sharing that with us. And Julie, would you share anything? About yeah, absolutely. Like I, you know, I'll play off that a little, but like when I, you know, I'm now two, two years into a relationship and we're moving in together. So taking that next step, wow. there's a lot of boxes everywhere right this minute as <laughs> we speak. So, uh, which has been really great. You know, I think like for the first time in my life, what I think separated this relationship from everything in the past is that I can be utterly myself. I can state my mm -hmm. needs. I know they're going to be listened to most of the times met, or if they're not met, there's a reason why it doesn't work for my partner and I need to hear that out. So this is the most healthy communication I've ever had in a relationship. Yay. Thank you. 
<laughs> this is from someone that did not always have it, which is why it's a win for me because like for, yeah. yeah, for years, years, I was either in situationships or just, you know, endless cycles of dating, or I was in an on again, off again relationship for five years, pretty much like it wasn't consistent five years, but still too long when I look in retrospect, because this person could never give me what I needed. And I couldn't walk away from it because I thought it was the person. So over COVID, I remember giving it like that kind of last, we're either doing this or we're not chance. And I very quickly saw that not enough had changed. And Mm -hmm. ultimately, this wasn't a relationship that was meeting my needs. And we honestly, we see this so often in our community with our listeners that we're always trying to hold on to these relationships, whether it's for fear of nothing better coming along or fear of, you know, that you're not worthy. I probably had both of those happening or that you just haven't seen a good definition of love. I think that's a lot of people too, is that either growing up, we didn't see those role models or we're just like in this endless cycle of modern dating where it's kind of the norm that you're going to get ghosted. It's not, it's kind of expected. So that's, it's really sad actually when we think about it, that that's become so normalized. So I think, you know, like it took me a long time to realize that I actually like wanted more and needed more and could ask for more and meet. It's a lot easier to meet someone that's willing to meet you than try to change someone that's not. That was a lesson. Took me a little too long to learn that you can't change people. (laughs) That's a hard lesson though. That's a hard lesson. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm just thinking of the similarity in what the two of you talked about, which is about this piece of the bravery to say no yeah. to a relationship. Mm, like absolutely. it takes such bravery. It's so scary. It's like it's like I was dating someone years ago who was just not the nicest person in a lot of ways. And my dad said to me, he said, Ken, it's going to feel like amputating your own arm but you're going to have to do it. Yeah, it's hard in the moment. so helpful to me. (laughs) When you don't And he's a Holocaust survivor, you know, so like he knows pain, you know, so (laughs) so he's kind of got that like gravitas. So that that helped me, that helped me a lot. Yeah, it's it's hard when you're in it, when you're really in it. And it's it's very difficult too. I think UA, you could probably relate to this. We get so many mixed messages, like dating is supposed to be easy or relationships Uh, are hard. You know, and uh you don't know, like sometimes like what is the level of hardness that you have to work through versus that point where it's just not working. And it's a hard balance to find. That's such a big one. That is such a big one. I'd love to hear both of your thoughts on that. And, you know, even thinking about the fact that you have spoken to thousands of people probably asking those same questions. I'd just love to hear any of your thoughts about how do you suss that out? Like, when are you supposed to not quit before the miracle? When do you like (laughs) give all, you know, Marianne Williamson has this great line. She says, both feet in until both feet out. How do you know when to put both feet out? How do you know when to keep trying I'd love to hear any of your thoughts from all that you've seen and all the people that you've worked with. Any reflections on that for people that are wondering, should I try harder or should I be leaving? I think it's a question that gets asked every second of every day because we focus a lot on starting relationships, but we don't talk about 
leaving or exiting out of relationships. And many of us depend on external factors to happen. The other person has to move. There was infidelity. There was some sort of disagreement. The other person gave up. But when you are put in the driver's seat of stepping out of a relationship, it's a lot harder to make that decision because that would be based on your needs not being met, you're you're not being valued in this relationship. Do you actually see that? I think in my experience, as I look back upon this five-year relationship, I always felt like as long as I say I gave it my best, I tried my best and there's nothing more I can do. And if it's still not the relationship I want, that is a point to leave. My ex-partner, on the other hand, relied on external events, something to push the relationship apart. I'm grateful that it did happen that way because it made a very clean sever of the relationship. But I think if we this didn't happen, I would have eventually had to take the steps to exit out because I felt like I really did try my best yeah. end of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those two pieces, the piece of like knowing that you tried your best, like both mm -hmm. feet in. And then the other piece of kind of how you are feeling, how you are being seen, how you are being held overall in a kind of like general way. Is that meeting your needs or is it not? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a big difference, too, of merging two people as humans that have different beliefs, different ways of doing life and coming together versus you don't feel respected or the you know, relationship isn't consistent or you don't, it doesn't bring out the best side of you. We have our seven things that matter. That's kind of this like gut check of, okay, can you go through and just be like, how do I, how is this relationship making me feel overall? The so seven th things that matter. Yeah. So we could go through them, but it's consistency <laughs> first and foremost. I consistency. Think if, yep. if that's not there, then ultimately nothing else matters. Like if someone isn't reliable they're not showing up you know yeah. there's what else is there at that point like that's the core of a relationship yet for so many of us myself included we settle for people that are not consistent we settle for people that you know we won't settle for someone that's under six feet but we'll settle for someone that gives you like the bare breadcrumbs and when you think yes. about it it really makes no sense at all yeah. Well, you know, I, this just reminds me, I had a conversation with a friend of mine. He was trying to exit out of a marriage where there were kids involved, or he was still kind of pondering whether he should do it or not. But he said he was listening to this audio tape at the time. And this woman said, I'm going to give you seven questions. And these seven questions, if you can even make it through all of them, you're going to get clarity. But most likely, you're going to get clarity by the third question. Yeah. So here are the questions I found awesome. them extremely interesting. The first one was, was there ever violence involved? Where right. was your life ever in danger? Easy one, right? If there, if your answer is yes, get the fuck out. Yeah, um, or just to say something about that, that your life might not have been in danger, but if there was physical violence, still get the fuck still, out. Still yes. get the fuck out. Yeah. The second question was, was the relationship ever epic? Was there ever a moment you thought, this is my, the relationship, the love of a lifetime, was it ever epic? 
So he got to that question. He said, yeah, like in, in our second or third year, we truly made an epic marriage. The third question was, if you exited the relationship and it can be guaranteed that nobody gets hurt and everyone comes out unscathed in the entire your community of who, people who may be affected, would you exit? Mm -hmm. And that made him cry and say yes, because he was very much scared of his kids being affected, his family being affected, her being affected. And he said, if I can, if that can be guaranteed that everyone comes out fine, mm -hmm. I need to leave. That's a really that was, good point. <laughs> he only got to the third question. He's like, done. Wow, but I want to hear the rest. They're awesome yeah. questions. I know. Well, I didn't. Uh, he only got to the third. So, oh damn, <laughs> the rest of the questions. I mean, that's the thing too. It's like at different stages, there's probably different questions you're going to ask too, right? Like it's I very think that's different. Really true. Yeah, yeah, like when you're first mm -hmm. meeting someone versus you know when you have to determine if if you exit this, will it affect other people? It's very different. But I think it's it's a good reminder that we're consciously making these decisions. It's not like we're putting our partners under a microscope, but it is important to constantly and consistently be checking in with yourself. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so another question. And then I just want to let the two of you just say kind of what you want to say. I feel like because you're just <laughs> such, you're, you're, you're really treasure chests of experience and insight. So I just want to hear like anything that you want to say to the listeners. But I do have this one question. I would I would love to have you both talk about like the ways that we push love away, like that mm. piece of work, maybe mm -hmm. without even realizing mm -hmm. it or realizing it, but we can't help it. Like like that dimension of the dating journey, the ways that like almost against our will or behind the scenes we're we're sabotaging. I I just love to hear any of your thoughts or stories or you know reflections or uh, advice because that just seems so significant. It is very significant, and I we often talk about how we think we're headed into a love crisis because much of the younger generation and our generations are giving up on love. They've you think out. so? Yes. They're burnt out by dating. They see the outcome of their parents' generation. We're also just dating in such a way without a North Star these days that there's just so many configurations of a relationship and dating. People are definitely exploring them all, but they're not understanding that this is part of the process. They're only seeing the failed attempts, right? The kind of like the the course correcting that happens in between, which, which can really be exhausting. So we feel like what is pushing people away from investing in dating is one, they're very outcome focused. You really only focus on finding that person who gives you butterflies and chemistry and wanting to never leave them, you know, and you can't live your life without them. That's not doing life with someone that's not realistic that is how rom-coms play out and they don't they're not real so that's one one piece is that we're focusing so much on the outcome the other the other part of it is that there's so much of this you versus me mentality in dating too 
people get on the defensive when they go on a date. They feel like, well, I stop spending my time with you. What are you going to bring to the table? But relationships, and Julie loves this word, it's it's a collaboration. It's truly two people coming together to work on a project together. Yet in dating, it's so much of a me versus you, mm-hmm. men versus women, men versus men, women versus women. There's just there's always an enemy on the other side that you're trying to collaborate with eventually. It's a very contradictory way of doing life with someone. Wow. Those are really <laughs> deep things. That's There's so much to that. And that's such a kind of snapshot of what dating is like now for younger people in this this kind of very sad state in a way. Thank you. That was That was really fascinating. Let's hold that thought for a quick message. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast, Exit Interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. Wait, (laughs) There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. When she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? (laughs) And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, Neil is going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You were going to say something, Julie, too? Yeah, we have a term that we call relationship chicken, which, mm-hmm. you know, feeds into what you was talking about. It's basically we do the exact opposite of, you know, what we would need in a relationship while we're dating. And we're so afraid to show our cards that we basically end up making no moves at all. We don't want to be the ones to define the relationship because oh we don't want to so show, boring. you know, we don't want to show that we're like invested. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, if you're in a relationship, you need to show you're invested or it's not going to last. So it's so funny that the behaviors at early stage dating are so opposite. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier of, you know, at the very beginning of like, what's the line of working on a relationship versus throwing in the towel? And then also what you were asking about sabotage we feel like things should just go well once we meet that person. Everything should be perfect. So the second there is any conflict, we bounce. And the reality is there's going to be conflict in every single relationship. It's two different people coming together. Again, bringing it back to is, you know, this is a bad relationship because you don't feel respected versus it's just merging of two people. If it's merging of two people, the biggest mistake is getting out at the sign of any conflict. Because guarantee yeah. you'll find it with someone else after that mini honeymoon period wears off. For sure. Yeah. Or different conflict with someone yeah, else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, yes. What about what about like kind of a, the state of affairs for maybe I'm going to kind of break it down. We talked about younger people. Now let's talk about people maybe in their 30s, um, 40s, early 40s, like like that crew. And then I'm going to ask you about like people beyond, let's say 30s and 40s. Like, what do you see there? Like any insights about that? 
I mean, it's a broad group of people of all <laughs> different orientations and gender identities and, you know, life circumstances. But still, I'm really curious about like any kind of global things that you've seen. And that's our group. Julie and I are in that age group. And we always <laughs> say that we straddle two worlds. We straddle the traditional old world of doing things in the new world. And there's just so much learning along the way. Part of us are in our generation are still, we're still embedded in the traditional gender roles or how dating should work and dating for love, dating for marriage. And the other side of us is we want to embrace this new world of non-traditional relationships. How do I Look at dating without thinking about marriage. How do I have multiple partners and have it be completely uh, morally sound? So there's a lot of confusion in this generation alone, just with the straddling of the both worlds. And mm. I think ultimately, this is the generation that's going to connect to both worlds. We just haven't figured that out quite yet. And but the the kind of the the masterpiece that's coming out of this is that our generation is learning how to DIY our relationships. We are getting into relationships and saying, let's figure out a way for us to do just us that works for us. And maybe it has a little bit of the old world and it has a little bit of the new world, but these are, these are ultimately going to be new traditions in a new way of doing relationships. That was amazing. <clears throat> Wow. <laughs> that was so cool. That's really exciting. That's really an exciting thought that that, that then becomes the question is like taking the old, taking the new, taking what yeah. isn't discovered and saying, what do we need for us? What is true for us? Yeah. Wow. So interesting. So cool. Yeah. It kind of going to like what you were saying of what is getting in our ways. It's crazy that even in 2023, we still hear women in their you know, 30s and 40s being like, I don't want to send a text like I had a good time yes. or yes. I don't want to reach out first. <sighs> and I know for me, that was pivotal to just put that stuff away and just be like, if I see someone that's interesting, I'm going to reach out on a dating app. If I want to tell someone I had a good time and I want to see them again, I'm going to do it because ultimately... I want someone that I can just text freely or talk to freely. So if I'm holding back at these early stages, like what relationship is that setting you up for? So I think we're seeing a lot of the, a lot of people have these light bulb moments and really unlearning the rules, unlearning the bad dating advice and those terrible books that we were fed for years, not deeper dating. Deeper dating was always on the ball ahead of this curve. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, like why men love bitches and the rules, like those books were really detrimental. And I know as someone that, you know, maybe was a little bit of a later bloomer, I was like, oh, I just need to read these books and then I'll be good. And they actually really screwed me. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. That brings up such an important point, you know, like I just, I mean, this, this kills me. Like I see men all the time. They've just heard all of this shit yeah. about what an alpha man is oh, so and bad. like yes. how you have to, you know, just, but men are tortured by this yes. and women are tortured by this message of like femininity. And if you want Ugh. an alpha man, you have to embrace your feminine and, you know, these things just... It's so they break bad. my fucking heart and they piss me off. Oh, and as a I queer do. person, you know, I just am so grateful to the queer community 
to like, you know, for kind of leading us out of this gender binary into so much of a richer spectrum. But it's complicated, right? Because we still have the old patterning. Like yeah. we know we want this freedom or liberation. Maybe we don't know that, but assuming we do, but we're still stuck in the old places too. And that makes it hard in a relationship. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts about people who are stuck in that. They want more freedom from gender mm -hmm. role rigidity, but also like it's inside of us. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts about that or experiences <sighs> or stories or so many, <laughs> you know, what's so I triggering. Bet. It's so triggering when people say be in your feminine energy or being your masculine energy. <laughs> we often hear this from successful independent women who will take charge of every other aspect of their life, except right. for their love lives. They're yeah. sitting ducks, waiting, waiting to be picked, waiting to be texted, waiting to be called, waiting to be matched. Yet there's this, there's this, all this advice telling them, be in your feminine. You want to be the one dropping your handkerchief and waiting for the man to pick it up for you. Yeah, every other aspect, go, go get it. You know, go, yeah. go be a CEO. Your favorite position is CEO. <laughs> go get, you know, get your household. Go have a kid on your own if you want to. You can do everything else in your life. But oh, when it comes to dating, you gotta fucking wait. Just yes. fucking wait. Yes. And that and is don't be too powerful. Nuts. Don't but yeah, don't, too powerful. <laughs> then you don't, then you're not your authentic self. You're just like this dating chameleon showing up that blends in with the masses. It's so crazy making, right? Like it be is. totally authentic, but be in your feminine self. Right? Yeah. 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 Don't just... don't let on too much. Like yeah. yeah. Don't, don't talk about your work. Don't talk yeah, about how right. successful you are. Right. Talk about your lingerie. You know, talk about the <laughs> pink dresses you own. Like what? It's just agony. It doesn't even fit anymore, but it's so hard to get out of. And I then know. for the guys, I mean, oh. it's just, it's an equal tyranny. It's the tyranny of if you're not the provider, if you're yes, not the leader. Yes. I mean, I mean, forget the incel stuff. That's like oh scary and creepy oh, and horrifying. So Let's just talk about like, you know, how men are stuck in this thing of how oh, they, totally. they, and then the horrible thing of like, you have to be in touch with your feelings because that's what vulnerable. women want. Be vulnerable. <laughs> but you have to be the guy. You have to be yes, the guy. You yeah. have to be the masculine energy. And, you know, in the queer community, this is also true, but so much less true. And, you know, John Gottman said that the queer community is 50 years, about 50 years ahead of the straight community. Oh, I see in that. The, in that regard, because, because of, you know, so much more freedom there. Not that it's not still true in the queer community, but I'm deeply grateful to the queer community for kind of leading the way to some degree. And as somebody who's 66 years old, me and my husband are kind of like stuck in old gender roles, but working on it. Our youngest child is transgender and gorgeous and free mm. and dates right and left with people that are just, it's just different for younger people yeah. in that way. And it's so beautiful to see. So um, yeah, the old, the new and, and, and kind of being in the middle. I mean, in a way that's kind of exciting, right? To think about where we could be going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just gets in the way of so much. And you were asking earlier of like what hacks there are, right? Oh, yes. Let's and talk about we, hacks. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to give you the answer you want, but I feel like oh. people 
<laughs> people are looking for the hack. The hack I know, doesn't I know. exist. You know, <laughs> I think that's we've heard so many. I think the pickup community too has really oh. messed with men. Like I was talking to this one guy that was just convinced that the reason that he scared off this girl is because he talked about crypto. And I'm like, you know, everyone's just so so like not looking at the big picture. I think that's yeah. what is one of the biggest issues and challenges in dating right now. We're so focused on making our profile perfect and having the best opening line, but ultimately that stuff doesn't matter. Like we just need a, like a gateway in to like meet someone. It doesn't need to be this like perfectly crafted, you know, work of art. And the one thing you don't need in a relationship is a dating profile. But we see people just get so hung up on this process. And a lot of it, I think, stems back to who people think we should be. And you're almost putting on that face in all these early stage dating, thinking there's a hack or the perfect opening line. That's that true. That's true. Totally true. <laughs> I am sure that in your bag of tricks, you have a million kind of like wisdom hacks as opposed to cheap hacks. So I'm just putting yes. that out. If anything pops up in your head, <laughs> I would love true. to hear that. I, I'm certain true. of that. I'm certain of that. Yeah. But but I want to go, I, I want to continue that linear uh, framing of age groups and just mm -hmm. say something mm -hmm. now and ask you about older folks, like 50 plus mm -hmm. in all communities. Any, any, any thoughts or, you know, any thoughts about that? This is, I guess, I guess I do want to say one thing in particular, like, no, I want to hear your thoughts first, then I'll ask my <laughs> questions. Yeah. You know, we actually have a big subset of people in this age group in our Facebook community, probably uh -huh. more than other areas. Some of it could just be demographics of Facebook also. What's interesting to me is that a lot of the challenges that people have in this age group are actually very similar to people in their 20s and 30s. Mm -hmm. You would think that it wouldn't be the same because, you know, you're that much older, but a lot of people are dating for the first time or it's their first time using apps and online dating mechanisms. So while they have a lot of relationship experience, a lot of people are divorced coming back into the dating scene. They don't have as much dating experience and we see it actually seamlessly integrate with the rest of the age groups. I think more surprising than I thought. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. For sure. And if you think about it, back in the day, average lifespan was 50. You die at 50, so yeah, you get married, have kids, and then before you can even reflect on what you just did, you die. <laughs> but now as our average lifespan inches closer and closer to 100, we're entering uncharted territories, especially for the 50 plus group where they feel like they're living a second life right mm -hmm. now. So many people are on a different marriage path. They're exploring all these non-traditional relationships. We have a, a wonderful guest on our show, May Lee, and she's she is engaged for the first time at age 57. And she feels like it is the first time. You know, this is the first time she is experiencing something, but it's later in life. And when you think about it, the last 50 years, nobody really talks about people just think you eventually get you know, retired and then you just live a good life or yeah. And then it's somehow you just do that. But if you had to continue that for 50 more years, there's a lot of reinventing of yourself that mm -hmm. has to happen. You have to reflect on the first half of your, your life and then reinvent accordingly. So what we're finding in this age group is that there's a lot of exploration. A yeah. lot of people just 
like what Julie was saying, feeling like they're dating for the first time, because some of them truly are <laughs> figuring out what SDIs are, how to have safe sex, all of it. It's, they're basically teenagers just as an older <laughs> age group. experience. Yeah. <laughs> right. Maybe teenagers with a bunch of baggage, too. Yeah. And, um, and so could you say something about the difference for for heterosexual men and women, the difference of experience for single guys who are in their 60s and 70s, let's say, versus women who are in their 60s and 50s, 60s and 70s. Anything this about is, the differences you've noticed? Mm -hmm. This is, you know, I mean, of course, this is just our subset of people that we've noticed. So take that for what it is. Right. But we've actually seen a lot of women in this age bucket that don't want to get married again. Yeah. Yeah. That oh, they want uh -huh. more casual relationship. Maybe they want to fall in love again, but they don't necessarily want to get married and have that whole traditional yeah, yeah, world. Yeah. And we've haven't seen, like, I mean, I think everyone's different when they come out of divorce. There's some people that never want to get married again. There's people that want to dive back in. But there has been like a bigger noticeable shift towards the hetero women than we've seen with hetero men. Again, though, just a subset. Everyone is different. Yeah. Gotcha. My parents are very close friends with this retirement community near their, uh, community near their home. And they told me that the trend is really, well, first of all, men die earlier than women. So you have a lot more single women in their 60s and 70s in these retirement you communities. Do. You do, yeah. And many of them do not want to get married again or have a serious relationship, but they love dating because they've never done that before. And the men in these retirement communities are desperate to be in relationships. They're desperate for companionship. So as soon as they enter these communities, they want to be coupled up right away. They're looking for their safety net. They're very much looking for a second, third, fourth, whatever marriage they're on. They want to get married. So there's a conflict within the community where the women are more like, let's just date around. Let's hang out. We can be companions. And the men are like, come on, let's, let's put a ring on it. Let's settle down. <laughs> this is wild to hear. This is really interesting because my experience is kind of the polar opposite. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what I've seen, what I've seen is guys in that age group only will date women 20 years younger. Oh, gosh. Because they can. They're like a kid in a candy store. They're most like, this, these are terrible generalizations, but it's just is something I've heard and seen a lot, you know, 20 years or younger because they can. The women, you know, can't in the same way. They just don't feel like the market bears that in the same way. Guys are like kind of kids in a candy store because they can, because um, they have so many options and they're so in demand because there are so few single men who were like, you know, eligible bachelors. So I, I have seen women like just, just mourn the fact of the immaturity mm. of men in yeah. their age bracket. So Hearing what you're saying gives me a little bit of relief, but it's yeah. interesting, these different perspectives that we've seen. I was going to say, I've actually know. seen women dating younger a lot of times. Yes. Like, I don't actually thing. 
don't see that. I think what you're saying is definitely like the stereotypical what you've heard all these years, but that definitely isn't what we're seeing anymore. So of course we're, you know, all of our sample sizes are just a subset. There's going to yes, be people yes, that fall yes. into all these buckets, but we've actually been seen and feel like it's almost empowering that women are dating younger and they're not feeling held back by this as much. I love this. This is so interesting. Um, Maybe, maybe this is a trend that I haven't noticed yet, but that you're starting to see happen. Or it's just you make what you want. I think that's ultimately at the end of the day. Like we, I think that there's true. a lot of stuff that's fed to us. Like once you get to a certain age, you can't do this. And, you know, that's just not today's world. Like people aren't just getting married by 30 and then you're done if you didn't do that. Like people are dating at all ages, coming in and out of the dating market there's no rules anymore. And I think you ultimately need to just find what works for you and recognize like when something's a limiting belief, it's getting in your way versus actually reality. This is a theme, I think, of this entire conversation, what you just said and what the two of you, it's the DIY kind of concept Mm -hmm. that, you know, that we are crafting this based on our relationship, based on who we are, that it's more like an open palette, that there are possibilities that we're creating. I just want to acknowledge the vision that you're kind of offering to people here. And then the questions that go with that, like Mm -hmm. the questions of what do you really want? Mm -hmm. What do you envision for yourself? What do you picture dating should be like? What should sex be like? What should your gender expression be like? You're kind of you're this is like what I hear you both saying is an invitation to a greater originality and freedom in constructing what you want dating to look like. Is that is that true? Yeah, absolutely. You design your love life ultimately. You do. You do because you can't predict what the future holds and you can't predict what the tomorrow you will feel like. But in dating, if we are looking for a monogamous partner, we're in an exciting time where we can DIY our relationships and we just want to find someone who wants to DIY with us. We don't have to have all the answers up front. This is a collaborative effort between you and this person who wants to evolve this relationship. We had a guest on our show. He's a high school friend of mine. His name's Chris. He'd been married for 10 years to his wife, hetero relationship. Mm. They had two daughters And he said, I really feel like I'm not being my authentic self. I feel like I am a woman and I feel like I like men. And instead of ending the relationship, which, you know, we don't, we can't predict how their future will look like, but his wife said, let's see if we can evolve our relationship. So he became, Chris became Cynthia and now they renew their vows Cynthia and her wife and their daughters call them their two moms. And that's how they're doing their relationship right now. And it's working for them right now. So that is after 10 years of marriage, you could have a completely different relationship for the next 10 years. You just have to have the right partner who wants to explore that with you. And if they're not willing to, that's okay. That is the end of that relationship. You still received a beautiful gift out of it. And now you can find someone else for this next phase. 
And it doesn't even have to be as extreme, too. It could even just be like, I mean, it definitely can be, but it doesn't have to be. It could just be like, this is how we communicate. This is how we work together. Like coming up with whatever rules of engagement work for the two of you, it can be as simple as that as well. Yeah. Yes, yes. You know, I I find after 14 years with, with Greg, I am now just finally noticing patterns in his behavior and my behavior that I never knew. Like, <laughs> I just feel like there are different wavelengths. There are like quick wavelengths where you see things quickly. And then there's some wavelengths that you don't notice for 10 yeah. or 15 years. It's slow, slow awareness. And 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 then that changes things. And, um, you know, we're seeing these different parts our love remains really consistent, but but there is a crafting that has to happen around these new mm-hmm. insights. So I think of the two of you very much at the forefront of this DIY, of this recrafting of thinking creatively in this way mm-hmm. and seeing what's coming, what's been, what's getting woven together out of all of those strands. And I love your being questioners at the same time. And I just think this is really exciting. And I'm excited to think about bringing you back Mm -hmm. to help our listeners think about how they can DIY their dating journey, their relationship life, their presentation of self, their expression of self, what they envision, because we are kind of creating a new world. And uh, I love the vision and the way that you're thinking of it. I think it's really exciting. I haven't heard it before. I think it's full of hope. And I think it's an antidote to the despair that comes with all the things that don't work anymore in the dating world. So I love what you have to offer and what you're saying. And um, I would just like to ask you two things. Final thought from each of you and then how people can get in touch with you. So first, maybe a final thought from each of you. Julie. Okay, final thought. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think we've said it before. It's like you're ultimately the CEO of your love life. Like you decide what works for you. You decide who a good partner is. You get to fire someone if they're not showing up. And I know that could be intimidating to some people, but putting yourself back into the forefront is really the only way forward. And that doesn't mean that you're selfish. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be there for someone. It just means that you're going to give to the person that's going to give back and that's going to show up the way that you do. So in order Mm -hmm. to DIY your love life and design something that works with the two of you, you need someone that's going to be in there with you. It can't be this situationship or person that's half in and until we can start getting rid of those people, it won't allow for the right person to get in. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Three cheers for the wise. No. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. And you, final thought from me would be dating is a balance between surfing and diving. So surfing above water You're going with the waves, seeing where things go, being malleable. And when you dive, you're being vulnerable and you're getting to the core of who someone is and getting to the core of who you are. So many of us have mastered the surfing in Mm -hmm. dating, but the diving is probably the most difficult entry point for so many. 
And we think it's about getting vulnerable and trauma dumping and talking about our past and our secrets. Ultimately, the diving part, and if we're really looking for a hack, is asking the question, what are you currently working through? You can ask that question to someone you're on date with. You can ask that question to yourself. And that helps you dive underneath the waters of someone's surface level offerings and knowing that everyone's working through some shit. And now you get a glimpse into what they're working through and they get a glimpse into what you're working through. And that's kind of the ultimate dive, first dive you can do in in dating. I love that. I love that. Thank you. Thank you both. It's just, you're very special to me, the two of you, and I'm just so glad to share you with my audience. And I'm excited for uh, this whole concept of DIYing your relationship and your vision of relationship. That's just really exciting. So how can people get in touch with you? How can they learn about your podcast? How can they learn about your projects, your offerings? Yeah, I mean, we are on every podcast player and platform out there. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Dateable Podcasts, at Dateable Podcast is our Instagram handle pretty much across the socials. And you can always go to datablepodcast.com. Perfect. Perfect. Well, you both are awesome. Thank you so much. This was a delight as always. Thank you so much, Ken. Ken. Always an honor. (laughs) Thank you. And see you all on the next episode of the Deeper Dating Podcast. The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Media Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at Dateable Podcast and visit datablepodcast.com for access to all the episodes and our premium programs. Also, make sure to subscribe today if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform so you are the first to get all the latest episodes. And most importantly, stay dateable. Stay dateable.